God is so good. I'm so excited to get into the word with you this morning. Pastor Kevin is with his other staff this morning, and we're not jealous at all. Um, They are on retreat, and I trust that he is ministering to them, and you guys will get him back next week. But today it's us, and I'm so grateful to spend this time with you. So we're going to do just a brief passage of Scripture. Now that you are all comfy and settled, we're going to stand and read one tiny passage of Scripture. All right, and we will do it with gusto if you want to, even though it mentions the word fast. So, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Father God, I pray that our reward be with you alone. I pray, Father, that everything we do be done for you alone. And and Lord, um, you're so good to us here. And the word says you do open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living creature. But Father, may that never be the reason we serve you. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would just do a heart check on us today. Father, that we would check and make sure that we're lining up with the why behind the what. Lord, I pray that my stuff fall and be forgotten in your stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love that Jesus, that God is all about uh, teaching us about spiritual integrity and how to walk things out in the earth. Because sometimes we can be very good at the what's and not so good at the why we do it. And I felt like uh, the passage of scripture this week addresses that. I do want to let you know that beginning this week, uh, some of you are new, but last year we did a 40-week devotional um, video devotional in the mornings on the app. We did it on online as well. That starts this week because this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of the Lenten season, and we do prepare our hearts for what God is getting ready to do. Uh, Just like we went through the Advent season when we were preparing our hearts for the birth of Jesus Christ, when we observe Lent, uh, we do it in a little bit of a different way, but the whole purpose behind it is that we prepare our hearts for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the foundation of our faith. Amen. Amen. And so uh, you can catch those in the mornings early. They'll be posted every single day. Uh, some of the leaders in the church, the pastors, some of the elders, uh, different ones are sharing a very brief devotional, and it'll encourage you in your walk. So you can get that on the app as well. Okay, we're jumping forward a little bit. Pastor Kevin began with the Beatitudes last week, and we're going to skip a whole bunch of them, and we're going to jump over to Matthew 6 because it is uh, the beginning of the Lent season, and it's going to talk about fasting. But I have a small issue. I'm not really good at obedience, no, (laughs) at doing what I'm told to do, and no one better say amen. I try to do what I'm told to do, but there's a passage of scripture. I can't go to this fasting passage unless we start at the beginning of chapter six, because I believe that's why it's so important. Because in the beginning, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And then it goes on to say something um, that, that gets me every single time. Actually, Melanie Gallioni touched on it in her weekly devotional this week. He goes on 
as this begins, he begins to instruct us in how some of the acts of righteousness. The, the scripture actually uses the terminology acts of righteousness. In the Jewish culture, there were three pious acts. They can call them pious acts. Um, and when Jesus begins to address these things, I want you to get, I want to give you just a little bit of background of why he's addressing these three specific things. There are a lot of Levitical laws. There's like 714 Levitical laws that you must do. And we get so caught up on, oh, oh, that person has a tattoo. Well, one of, so they've broken Levitical law. Well, if you're wearing polyester and cotton, you have also broken Levitical law. So, because you're not supposed to wear mixed materials, but we like to pick the laws that we see others breaking. Anyway, Jesus goes into this, and these three things that were so big in the lives of the Pharisee leaders were the giving of alms, the public prayer, and then uh, kind of outrageous fasting. And they did it in a public forum. And so the Lord, when he begins, when Jesus begins to speak in Matthew 6, he's addressing these three things head on because they have become a show. And let me tell you something, he's not interested in a show. He's not interested in us doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Um, and so the first thing he says is when you give. When you give. It's not if you give. It's not if you pray. It's not if you fast, it's when. And that tells me that there is an expectation that is just in it. When you do these things, it's a normal practice. And unless you think, um, well, they don't really fast anymore. There's a passage of scripture, I believe it's in Luke, where they're giving Jesus a hard time and they're talking about, well, you know, the disciples of John the Baptist, they fast. The Pharisees, they fast, but your disciples, they're not fasting. And Jesus said, would you ask the guests of the bridegroom to fast? And, and he goes on to say, I'm with them right now. There's no need for them to fast, but the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then you will fast. So that tells me until he comes back, there is with giving and with prayer and with fasting, these things still exist. And there's a reason and a purpose for all of them. And so um, if it, there's a reason and a purpose, and if Jesus is addressing them, I think it's important that we know what that is. Amen? Amen. So the first thing he says is when you give, and he's talking about giving to the poor, and he's talking about a generous spirit. And I love that he says, uh, do not do it with trumpets. Can you imagine? I just wish Michael was here with his trumpet, you know? And I mean, I just see this in my mind. Can you just see them going to give their alms? You know, and the trumpets are blessing. I'm taking my offering now. And uh, just about the time I got to get really judgmental and critical, the Lord <laughs> reminded me. Oh, I love when he does that. Um, I was thinking about when I was a kid, there was like a queue for kids. And uh, we always did penny marches at my parents' church. And, and um, my mom would start banging on that piano and she would start uh, singing, there is an army that is marching on to victory. Its captain is a man from Galilee. And it gets into it and goes, so get in the glory land march. And all of the kids would jump up as if on cue because we got to march down that aisle to bring our change in. And I was thinking about, you know, it was so important to me as I would go uh, like 
to hear the change rattling in my hand as I went down to take my offering. And I'm telling you guys, this is the closest I ever got to interpretive dance. And, and so I would go forward to that little gold plate with the little red felt in the bottom of it. And, <laughs> Ooh, you know, <laughs> my purpose in it was that it made me feel like the rest of the grown-ups. I loved that bringing my offering was something that I could do as a child. Now, I didn't necessarily do it with the right heart, but I did it. I can get by with that as a child. When we grow up, we have to have a different heart. When we grow up, when we bring our tithes and our offerings in, we do it with joy. We do it because we've decided in our heart it's just a natural outflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be a solicitation. It should never be a solicitation. It should never be you getting worked up into giving. It should just be a natural response of his goodness in your life, of his provision in your life. I saw the perfect example of it this week. I was watching a small excerpt from the Asbury revival this week, and there was a young man on the platform, and he was a foreign exchange student, and he had attended Asbury College, and he was sharing. He said, you know, I have always loved my church. I have always loved my school. I've loved being a part of it. He's, and uh, he's just sharing, and then he says, but in December, I graduated. And he never says, he never says, you know, I really need a job or I'm struggling financially. He never comes out and says that. But you can tell in what he's saying, he's actually just going, I'm so grateful for this, this school. But in the middle of it, you, can, you know that he's struggling and you hear this man stand up. He's in the balcony and he's like, just a minute, brother, just a minute. And he starts down that aisle and he takes his money clip and he tosses it onto the platform. Well, when he does, it just starts like this. People standing up here and here and here and here and they are running down the aisle to just lay whatever cash they've got. And I'm not asking. Um, <laughs> but if you felt so led, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but they did it. It was the most beautiful thing. And, you know, you can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit when there's worship going on. And you can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit when there's a powerful word going forth. But when people are giving, and so they just start, put, and he's weeping. He's weeping. And everybody, I mean, just all over the place stands up and goes and gives what they've got. It was a natural, supernatural response to a move of the Holy Spirit that went, be generous, live generously. And I believe that is what God is saying in this. When you give, it says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. If you ever give, whether it's to the poor or to the church or to whomever it might be, May it never be for a back pat or an accolade. Or let it be because the Holy Spirit has moved you in generosity and it be a natural outflow of what God has already done in your life. That's how you give. That's how you give. But it was beautiful and I loved it and I was challenged by it. My prayer would be that we are the most generous church. I mean, seriously, that God would lay on your heart, hey, go bless that one. Hey, go bless that one. Hey, can we... That's our heart. And I know it's Pastor Kevin's heart that we would do that. Every time I say Kevin's heart, I make, think of the comedian anyway. 
Okay, that's a bunny trail, just another one. Sorry about that. But the second thing that he addresses after he says, when you give, don't blast the trumpets. Don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. Just go and do it. The second thing he says is when you pray, when you pray, do not go out and use big words. Father, thou hast been mine anchor. Thus these many decades, you know, you don't talk like that. You don't, I hope you don't. If you do, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, you speak King James, I don't. And, uh, but just be real with him. When you pray, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be anything except genuine. You talk to him. He is wide open for you to love him and to to be with him. And I don't know about you, but I love when my kids call me for no reason. I I love when they call me with a reason. I'm like, here, Hal, it's for you. (laughs) Here, honey, your kids need to talk to you. Um, I love when they call me for no reason. It makes me happy when I see their, their name on my phone. I love it. God wants to hear from you. God wants you to talk to him. He wants to share your day and share what you do. Let your prayer life, I was got tickled. I was thinking about, let's say, giving, prayer, fasting. Basically, it's a GPF. <laughs> We're going to recalibrate our GPF, and it's going to get us where we need to go from a spiritual standpoint. But when you pray, it says, he tells us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he gives us a pattern for that. But I also believe that you can pray without words. I also believe that they're some of the most powerful, most impactful prayers that I have experienced in my life had nothing to do with words. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us with groanings and utterings that we don't even understand because the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in, in, uh, in agreement with the will of the Father. See, when we pray, we pray our will most of the time, don't you think? But when the Holy Spirit begins to to intercede for us, it says that he intercedes in agreement with what the Father's will is. I had people get upset with me one time. (laughs) Okay, many times, but this time specifically, I was talking about when he prays, when the Holy Spirit prays and groanings and utterings. I don't know about you, but some of the the most fervent prayers I have ever prayed have been tears. And God knew every one of them. And I was sharing, I said, you know, when the Holy Spirit begins to intercede for us, when he begins to pray, I know that so often we're thinking that we're praying, you know, Lord, bless my family. Lord, get me out of this mess that I made of my own life. You know, we think we're praying this. And really, I believe if we're praying in accordance with the Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is probably praying, Lord, let them get in touch with your word. I pray they get a hunger for your word so that their lives would be changed so that they won't get in this mess again. And he begins to intercede. We just want deliverance. He wants change. He wants us to never be in that ditch again. And so the Holy Spirit, when you allow him to pray, one of the most powerful prayers I have personally ever experienced in my life had nothing to do with words or fancy words. Um, And many of you have heard this before, but some of you haven't, and it's what the Lord reminded me of, so I'm going to share it. Um. My niece, Heather, was three when she was diagnosed with acute lymphocytic leukemia. 
And back 25 years ago, 35 years ago, it didn't have the same prognosis that it has today. And we were in a battle. We were in a battle. And Aaron, my son, playing the bass up here, um, he and Heather were as thick as thieves. They were a year apart, and we lived close to Angie. And I would load my kids up, Aaron and Matt. I would load them up in the little red wagon, and I would pull them down to my sister's house because I wasn't going to carry them. <laughs> and uh, we would go, and we would hang out all the time. And this one particular day, we went in, and Aaron and Heather were playing, and Justin and Cameron and Matt, and they were just running around. And I think uh, if, if Heather was three, then Aaron was probably four-ish. And uh, Angie and I are just walking around, and, and there's these pieces of paper, like construction paper with scribbles everywhere. I mean, they're behind the heater. They're in the window seal, and they're just crumpled up like little wads of paper everywhere, all over the place. And we had picked up enough of them to finally Angie just went, kids, get in here, you know, patient like we are as parents. <laughs> get in here. And here's these five little stair steps looking up at you. And here's Heather with her little prednisone cheeks. All of her hair's gone because she's going through chemo. And, and they're all just, just looking at you. Oh, Lord, what did we do? Did they find out this? And, and she's like, who keeps throwing their trash everywhere? Who keeps throwing their trash everywhere? And little Heather looks up and goes, oh, mommy, those are my letters to God. Those are my letters to God. It was a scribble on a piece of construction paper, torn in pieces and shared in random spots by the window in case God walked by, behind the heater, everywhere, because she didn't know where he would get those prayers. And she wanted them to be everywhere because she wanted him to get those prayers. Guys, let me tell you something. God read every scribble. God knew what every little folded piece of crayon marked etching was. He knew it all. And Angie and I were just, there was nothing to say. But can I tell you, that same little girl who wrote those prayers on those little crumpled up pieces of papers is in her mid-30s today and has a son that they told her she would never have. And I believe one of those prayers must have been, God, one of these days I want to have a little baby boy. And she did about a year and a half ago. And God is just faithful. Prayer may not sound like you think it's supposed to sound, but if it's genuine and if it's real, I promise you, your father hears your prayers. He hears your prayers. Some of us need to go home and find a crayon. Some of us need to go home and find a crayon. And the third thing that is there, and it's actually what I'm supposed to be teaching on today, so don't tell Kevin. <laughs> um, <laughs> is the fasting part. And see, sometimes we can get the giving right and we can get the, the prayer right because there's this inherent need in prayer. But there's a fasting element to this. And, you know, Isaiah begins to talk about, is this not the fast that I've chosen? And it talks about letting the, the, uh, the bonds be broken and letting addictions fall and, and, and clothing those that need clothing and feeding the poor. And it talks about that being the fast that he has chosen. And see, God, I believe, will lead us in our fasts. I believe he has direction for us. There's, you know, three Hebrew words I could go into that would tell you about them. One of them is actually really cool because it means to cover your mouth and not let anything come in or out of it. 
boy, some of us need that fast. <laughs> and I'm like, woo, I'll go for the Nazarite one. Let's just do the no alcohol and no cutting the hair because I can still eat. But anyway, <laughs> there are these different things and God gives us different examples of fasting in the word. I mean, we know the, the biggie. We know about Jesus fasting 40 days and 40 nights led by the spirit into the wilderness. And it says after he fasted, then he hungered. We know that Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights when he went up onto the mountain to receive the tablets from the Lord. And he even messed up after that fast. But it says when he came down off of the mountain, his face shone white. Esther fasted. The decree had gone out that the Jews were going to be killed. And Mordecai went to Esther and said, I need you to go to the king. And she's like, I can't go to the king. I'm paraphrasing this, just so you know. Um, she said, I can't go to the king. It's not my turn. It's not my time to go to the king. And you know, anyone who goes to the king and it's not their time is subject to death. And Mordecai tells her, that's fine. But don't think just because you live in the king's palace that this is going to pass you by too. And then it changes. And she says, you go when you t- have the Jews fast and pray with me for three days, and I'll have the women in that are mine at the, at the palace fast and pray, and then I'll go to the king, and if I perish, I perish. Sometimes the only way to get through a moment of if I perish, I perish, is to fast and to pray. There's a trifecta here, guys. I really believe giving, fasting, uh, giving, praying, and fasting, it's like this triple cord strand that if you can get these things going in your life, because I guarantee you that when you begin to uh, pray, he's going to lead you to his word, and the word's going to get mixed right in the middle of all of that. And when you begin to implement these things in your life, things change. God doesn't want you to know that fasting is still a thing. He doesn't want you to know that, that there's some power still left in there that you might not have tapped into. And I could go a, little, a few different directions, but I can tell you one of the most powerful things the Lord has done in my life. I think testimony is important. Don't you think testimony is important? Um, in 1999, some of you weren't alive then. Um, <laughs> 1999, the Lord put it on my heart to start fasting on Wednesdays. Like Wednesdays, Lord, Wednesdays. And it made me, I think today I think about Justin going, David killed Goliath on a Tuesday. You'd be amazed what God can do on a Wednesday. Um, And so I was like, okay, Lord, I'll start fasting on a Wednesday. And the Lord took me in that into his word in a way that just, you know, if if I was going to fast, I was going to eat his word. If I was going to fast, I didn't want to just walk around not eating. I needed to sustain my spirit. Sometimes our flesh gets so bossy and loud that the only way to rein it in is to cultivate a quiet spirit. And for me, fasting does that. For me, fasting and getting into his word makes me be quiet. It makes me stop my foolishness. And the more I did that, the more I got into his word, the more I began to know about him. I got hungry for his word on Wednesdays. I just devoured his word on Wednesdays. And that went on for about, I guess, three and a half years, something like that. And one day I'm walking through my house and I get a phone call. And it is Pastor Ronnie. And 
I remember this because it freaked me out uh, because he didn't call me. You know, he didn't. It, it, usually if your pastor calls you, be afraid. And, uh, <laughs> and so I remember I was walking down the hallway and our piano and our piano stool was in the hallway at that time. And so when uh, and I remember it so clear, unless he comes up after and goes, that's not how it happened. Then I don't remember it so clear, but <laughs> fear will do that to you. And uh, I remember sitting down and, and he's like, hey, Barbie. And I went, hello, Pastor Ronnie. And then he says this thing. He says, um, what's God been showing you? Crickets, that's how it was at my house. <laughs> and he's like, um, what's God been telling you? And when he said, you know, what, what, you know, what are you reading? What's God showing you? And I couldn't remember the name of the book I was studying. And then I remembered it was a Bible. <laughs> and he said, I've met with the elders. That's not scary either. And he said, I really feel like you're supposed to teach for the next three Wednesdays. And oh my gosh, I was petrified. But I couldn't say no to him, you know, because he's my pastor. And, and if that's what the Lord has given him, then I trust that. You know, I, I trusted it then and I trust it now. I've not forgiven you, but I did trust it. <laughs> and he said, teach for three weeks what the Lord's showing you, and then we'll reevaluate. So that was February 5th of 2003. And I taught February 12th, and I taught February 19th. And as I was doing that, I realized, um, well, he went, he came after the three weeks, and he says, do you want to teach three more weeks? And, and I said, don't use the word want. Um, I didn't. And I was like, yeah, I did. And three weeks became, and it's the first time, guys, I ever taught in big church <laughs> with grown-ups. <laughs> and... Uh, he said, you want to teach three more weeks? And I said, yeah, sure, I do. And three weeks became three months. And three months became three years. And then I became one of your pastors. And as of February 5th, a couple of weeks ago, that's 1,040 Wednesdays or 20 years of Wednesdays, not that I'm teaching on Wednesdays, but 20 years that started, I believe, with all of my heart. I believe with all of my heart that it started with a simple, yes, will you fast on Wednesdays? It wasn't about the fast. It was about the fact that he needed me, wanted me in the word. He wanted me in the word and I needed my flesh to get quiet so I would get in the word. And he wanted me in the word so he could grow me up, so he could show me about his nature and about his character. And if he could show me about his nature and show me about his character, then he would also show me how much he loves you. And once he showed me through his word how he feels about you, everything in me, wanted to tell you how he feels about you and how he loves you. The wonderful thing about these unexpected graces in our life, 
This is not, guys, this is not the life I would have chosen. But God knew that. God knew that. But on this side of 1,020 Wednesdays, I would not trade it for anything in the world. It has been the greatest honor and the greatest privilege of my life to be able to stand here and share the word with you, to share the love of God with you, to maybe help you walk just a little bit taller with a little bit more presence in your life. I am so grateful. I am so grateful for Pastor Ronnie's obedience and for the the heart of the elders of this house to go, oh, that's a loose cannon. Let's go there. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I am so blessed. But it's all about what God wants in your life. And sometimes if we don't implement the things that God has given us in front of us, the tools of living generously, of of spending our lives in communication with him, and of fasting when he tells you to fast. This week, as you enter into the Lent season, uh, it would be our heart that you would pray and you would ask the Lord, is there anything that I need to lay down this week, just in, or these, these next six weeks in preparation for what you have? Worship team, come on out here. Please. <laughs> I did not use good manners there. Excuse me. We don't want it to be. We don't want it to We got it. We stopped observing Lent back a few years ago because it became very much about your right hand knowing what your left hand was doing. Well, I'm fasting this. Oh, you're fasting that? I can't have this cake because I'm fasting cake. We don't want that. What we are asking over the, uh, this week before Wednesday, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, it's the beginning of Lent. We are asking that you go before the Lord and go, Lord, is there anything, anything that is taking precedent in my life over you? Is there a habit that I have? Or is there something that um, replaces you? I want to lay it down. And just do it. Just do it. Just go, write it. I asked the first service. I said, just write it down on a, scribble it on a piece of paper with a crayon, tuck it into your Bible and go, Lord, for the next few weeks, when this thing comes up in my mind, when I want that or I want to pick that up again, I'm going to pick this up instead. I'm going to dig into your word. I'm going to allow you to nurture my spirit to the point that my flesh gets quiet enough to hear you. Does anybody else need that? Does anybody else need that? Everything is a bit of a challenge. And I know that implementing fasting along with your prayer and your giving takes you a little further. And we're gonna do this and we're gonna get out a little bit early this morning or we're gonna worship. But I encourage you, when the Lord asks you to go further, go. When he puts something in front of you and goes, Let's go here now. Don't go, but Lord, I've never gone there before. I don't know how to do that. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Let the Holy Spirit do something. When he was leading me into that season of my life, this was what he gave me. Just when it started, I don't know. A whispered voice that bid me go beyond this present comfort heal up to the mount of further still.
So gentle was the call that I found myself compelled to turn around, looking to see, can this be real? Did someone beckon further still? My heart laughed, Lord, surely you jest. To climb this mountain took near my best. That mount before me, it sure will kill. His gentle smile said, further still. But what, I cried, could possibly be upon that mountain that I should see? A frantic, pounding heart, I feel, at the thought of going further still. What if I ascend alone, revealing scars as yet unknown? Will you, this broken vessel, feel upon the mount of further still? All within me bids me go until you take this journey you can't know. The sweet soul release, no bitter pill. That's what's found when traveling further still. No more whispers, now loud the call. Swiftly to my knees I fall, bowing low this stubborn will and crawling to you further still. My soul in wrenching pain I cry, Father, please let this one pass by. His answer plain. No comfort heal, now climb this mountain further still. Just at dawn, clear hearts confess, at last I see the blessed crest. Liquid light floods and deep wounds heal here on the mount of further still. Oh, it was worth all, sweet Father, dear. Yes, that's why I brought you here. You couldn't see back on the hill. The vision gained and further still. Must I go back now? I said. Can I just stay and rest my head? My empty cup, Lord, will you feel here on the mount of further still? Child, can't you see? I'll be here next. The time you need to climb this crest. Our changes are coming, and there always will be need for pressing further still. Go further still. Go further still. There's more to see. There's more to experience. There is a depth in Him. There is a place in Him. If you will just take the time, face that fear, climb that mountain, and go further still. Amen. Father, I thank you for the challenge, the invitation to take this mountain with you. God, to check ourselves when it comes to the way we give and how we pray and when we fast, Father God. I pray that it all be pleasing to you. And I pray, Lord, that you take us somewhere we haven't gone. Father, I pray that the walls come down all the barriers fall and everyone in this room, Father, embark on a new journey with you today as you invite us further still, further still, further still, further still. Bless you, Father God. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. We're just going to stand and we're going to lift our hands. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to worship. And we're going to thank God. We're going to thank God.
for putting new weapons in our hand today, for giving us an invitation to go deeper and move further with Him today. So if you'll raise your hands, let me pray for you and then we'll worship. Father God, I pray for every single person in this room, Father. Those who hear you going, there's more, there's more, there's more. Father, it's because you love them that you draw them in. And so, Father, for all who have a calling, and they know they have a calling, Father God, I pray that this would be the season that you awaken it, that you draw them in. Father, make everyone brave enough, Father, to follow you. I'm asking, Father, for a quieting of the flesh in these next weeks so that we can hear you deep in our spirit, man. You are good. You are good and you are faithful and we are gonna follow you further still. Everybody say it, further still, further still. God, we are gonna follow you, yes, Lord. And as we worship, lean in, see that mountain, Extend your hands. Know that God wants to take you somewhere and let's bless him. There are psalms of ascent that the people sang as they walked up the mountain. And we have psalms of ascent in our spirit as he calls us forward. So Father, that's where we're going today. We're just gonna love on you as you seal that call today, Lord, in Jesus' name.